Hello, and welcome to The Purpose. I'm Bill Brunson. And I'm Kip McClurg. I'm John Sweeney. And I'm Scott Barnes. And today we'll begin, we'll be looking at passages of Scripture that really deals with a significant statement that Jesus makes. And actually, he makes this statement multiple times in the Gospel. He uses a phrase, I am. And then he builds statements off of that phrase. And the reason that this is a significant moment in the ministry of Jesus and and really a significant message that he shares is based off of the history of the phrase, I am. The, The phrase actually is the oldest name of God that we are given in Scripture. In the third chapter of Exodus, after Moses has fled Egypt after killing an Egyptian overseer, and he is tending the the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro, he sees the burning bush, and from the burning bush, he hears the command to go back to Egypt to lead God's people out and to lead them through the wilderness and to take them to the promised land. When he asks him, he asks God, well, if I go back and tell your people, that their God has sent me to them, and they ask, what's our God's name? What do I tell them? And God simply said to Moses, I am who I am. So you say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And I am is Y-H-W-H in the in the Hebrew lettering, and it's a tetragrammaton because we don't really know the vowels that fill that out. And But over the years, it's been understood that the way that is pronounced is Yahweh. Uh, at one point in the Middle Ages, they mispronounced it, and they put other vowels in, and they turned it into Jehovah. But Jehovah and Yahweh both mean I am. Um, and by the time that the New Testament gets here, Uh, The name of God has become far beyond what we would ever think of as sacred. It is truly the holiest of holy names. And so by the time you get to the New Testament, they no longer even say the name of God. They no longer write the name of God if they can help it, because they have started referring to God as simply the name. And whenever they would refer to, whenever they would read from the scroll in a a synagogue and they would come across the name of God, they would not pronounce Yahweh. They uh, They wouldn't say that word out loud. Instead, they would replace it with Adonai, uh, which is Lord, my Lord. And so in the Old Testament, if you ever see the word Lord capitalized, all all caps, it means Adonai, and that is a location where it used to say Yahweh, because at one point they determined that they couldn't even write the name of God in a scroll, because what happens if the scroll gets damaged and you have to throw the scroll away? Can you throw away the name of God? And so when the first century rolls around and Jesus begins his ministry, he is in a culture that doesn't say Yahweh, doesn't write Yahweh, doesn't use the name of God, the I am, in any form or fashion because of how divine and how holy it is. And here comes Jesus, the rabbi from Nazareth, and he is in various places using this two-word name of God in reference to himself. 
And so this week we're looking at the moment when he says to his disciples and others, I am the good shepherd, Yahweh, the good shepherd. And so he is say he is equating himself with God when he says to the people, I am the good shepherd. So what does that mean to y'all? Well, I think first it's interesting, you know, we see Jesus talk about this in John's Gospel, see it also in Luke, um, but this is continuing uh, this imagery that even goes back to the Old Testament where, you know, God is, is talked about as the true shepherd, and this compare and contrast with sort of unfaithful shepherds whom God is going to judge, whether that's in Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or, or Zechariah, and also David, uh, the, you know, the, the young shepherd boy who's the chosen king of Israel is also referred to as a good shepherd several times in the Old Testament. So this would have been something that when Jesus saying these words would have triggered something really special and particular for those that are that are hearing it because they would understand because this imagery has been part of their culture and their history uh, leading up to this point, this comparison between, hey, I'm the good shepherd in contrast with all these other, we'll say bad shepherds. Um, and so I think that's just a, an interesting sort of scriptural thing going all the way back to the beginning till now, the sort of, you know, deal that's kind of gone through all of it to bring us to this point of, of talking about the good shepherd and being God and now uh, through the son Jesus uh, here in the New Testament. And we go back to uh, Psalm 23 where the Lord is my mm-hmm. shepherd and yeah. yep. shall not want. So he, uh, they are very familiar with this imagery of, of God as being a shepherd and the, the curiosity for me is when Jesus says, "I am the good shepherd." That, that's that seems to indicate that there's a, another kind of shepherd, right. and, and he indicates that there are hired hands who, uh, you know, they're the hourly workers that uh, you know when it's uh, you get off at seven o'clock, six fifty nine, they've got they're ready to go, and um, they're not gonna they're not really gonna go overboard to take care of the sheep. But the person who owns the sheep, the, the 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 business owner, you might say, they're going to do everything they can to protect that because that's that's their livelihood. That's uh, their caretakers, and so um, in some ways, Jesus is comparing himself. Uh, it, there's a lot of folks in the audience uh, that are listening to him, not the least of whom are the the priests and uh, many of the Pharisees. And they are leading Israel, but from Jesus' perspective, they are leading them into a religion that is based certainly not on grace, as John emphasizes in the first chapter, but based on on rules that really lead them toward a, a life that is really based on what God intended to, in the first place. It wasn't a life built on love and, and caring for others, but it was just kind of this obsession. So. He looks at these folks and he goes, they're really doing this to keep the religion as they have it in place because their jobs, their careers, their futures depend on the religious establishment staying the same, and it really needs to change. Yeah, I've been fascinated in this um, passage and looking at the the characteristics of the shepherd that Jesus is using as uh, as moments of connection with the crowd that he's that he's sharing with, he's he's talking about you know there there are multiple conversation or multiple moments in chapter ten where Jesus is talking about 
being the shepherd. And, and we are looking at two of those passages where he's specifically saying, I am the good shepherd. But leading up to this, leading up to, to verse 10, and leading up to verse 14, he is he is saying over and over again um, about you know things like being the gatekeeper of the sheep and the and the um, the the protector of the sheep and and how the bandits will come and, and steal the sheep. Uh, but but it reminds me you mentioned um, Psalm twenty three, um, how one of my favorite phrases in Psalm twenty three is that thy rod and thy staff they comfort me, and those were the weapons of the shepherd. Those are tools, but but the the rod was the weapon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was used to beat off the um, well, sometimes like lions and um, uh, other animals that came around. Right, and so I mean, if you're using if you're using the rod to defend, and then it's interesting because you also the shepherd uses the shepherd's crook, the staff, mm-hmm. uh, to save. Yeah. Um, it's why it's fashioned the way it is with the with the large hook at the end because he could actually reach down and grab the sheep and pull the sheep back or pull the sheep up out of the messes the sheep would get itself into. Yeah, yep. and literally the out of the mouth of of the lion or the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it, it's a it's a it's a fascinating idea that 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 in Psalm twenty three those provide comfort. Mm-hmm. Those are um, tools that that are specifically mentioned by David as tools of comfort and here Jesus is saying I am I'm the the, the good shepherd the the user of these uh, to to care for you my sheep mm-hmm. um, it, 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 uh, it it's comforting there as well just as the 23rd Psalm provides that comfort I also think it's important to kind of think about sort of the helpless nature of sheep in general you know these you can think of sheep as these tough little animals, but they're not. I mean, there's a reason why the shepherd has to be there. There's a reason why, you know, nowadays there's dogs, there's other animals that are protecting these things. Because if they're out in the wild by themselves, they are going to get eaten. Yeah, I, I was doing a, a search actually just a few minutes ago on trained sheep that could do tricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, we get them on, on Facebook feed or on video feed all the time of cats and dogs and whatever. And basically, you you can't train a sheep to do much of anything right they they they're very vulnerable they're not smart and if they don't have a shepherd leading them um you know they're they're going to get taken in by by a wild animal yeah. or or do something just insanely dumb yeah. uh to fall off a cliff yeah there's a there's a great story that was on uh, the united press carried the story years ago uh now but in the middle east where uh you had a shepherd uh, that was standing there not paying attention to the sheep and the sheep got scared and ran toward a cliff and the first sheep went off the cliff the second third fifth tenth hundredth all went over the cliff as a shepherd and the hired hands are running trying to get in front of them trying to stop this herding now granted when they not every sheep that went off the cliff died because, as the shepherd said when asked, why didn't they all die? Because they all fell the same distance. <laughs> the shepherd said, well, you have to remember that sheep are fluffy. And so after the first, after there were enough down there, the others just sort of bounced. But um, they, didn't all, they didn't all die. But they will follow. One sheep goes off a cliff, you can lose 10,000 sheep over the side of a cliff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the interesting thing about sheep is the one you can't train them to do much of anything, but you can train them to know their shepherd. Mm-hmm. 
And I've been in Israel before where I've watched shepherds all standing there where they brought sheep up so that you can see them in Bethlehem at Shepherd's Field. They'll bring the sheep up, and the sheep fill the road, and you're you're holding, you know, come here, give me a dollar, and you can hold this lamb and have your picture made. Um, and people do. Um, and so once it's all over, and you have three shepherds standing there, and everybody's held the lamb, and all the sheep are standing around, and the shepherds all start off in their different directions, they all give their call, and the sheep begin to separate. Now the sheep all look alike. You can't. I, I would never be able to know which one mine, which was not. But they all separate, and you have three small flocks of sheep walking off, following their shepherd, because they know their call of their shepherd, and they heed that call. So one of the things that you know I've been asking is how. How do we know the voice of the shepherd? How do we get to know that voice? And and John, you were sharing a little bit about how that's kind of been on your mind as well. Yeah, this you know the verse fourteen that we're looking at. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. This idea that um, through all of the noise, and as Bill mentioned, you can have multiple shepherds in the same place, and the sheep only respond. To the voice of their shepherd. And we have these moments in our lives where we have perhaps been nudged in, in feeling and or hearing God's presence or, or sensing God's presence. And that is that, that voice of our shepherd. And, you know, we, I, it re- made me reflect on, on John Wesley's uh, time where he was really struggling with his faith and his spirituality. And he, wanders into this Bible study or, or this study of of Martin Luther's uh, study on the book of Romans, which is about as thick yeah. as mud. Yeah. And yet, in that moment at Aldersgate, he, he you know, reflects that his heart was strangely warmed. He was comforted. He, under, he, he perhaps heard that small voice, that voice of the shepherd assuring and providing that that blessed assurance that we are uh, protected and cared for and guided by the Good Shepherd. And it, it, it made me reflect on moments in my life where perhaps I have heard and felt um, the calling that, that God has uh, for each of us. Um, you know, there's, I'm going to take us down a, another sheet path, yeah. uh, if, if we can. Um, there is a sense that pastors are considered shepherds and uh, a bishop carries a crook uh, at at formal occasions in, in many uh, uh, many uh, religious groups and I suppose as I look out over the landscape um, most of the organized religious groups that I've been a part of are right now in chaos uh, in my lifetime I've been a part of three as a child and then as an adult and um, Part of what I see is a lot of people trying to sort of protect the uh, protect the, the religious organizations, just like the Pharisees were trying to protect um, the organization then. And in the midst of that, I heard from shepherds that oversaw me 
do things and say things that were not really help, the most helpful to the sheep, but to the organization. And, and I'm seeing that in the different, different denominational sort of happenings that are going on uh, for different reasons. And as a pastor, as one who carries that shepherd crook, it really kind of makes me think, you know, how important it is to be the good shepherd, the one that cares for the sheep and not for the organization. Um, but it also reminded me that it's not the first time that the church has been here. Uh, if you go back to Luther, uh, who Wesley was reading that day when his heart was strangely warm, he was a priest in, in the Roman Catholic Church, and he looked around, and uh, they were doing all kinds of things that, as he started studying Scripture, he realized this, this has nothing to do with what Jesus was about. And you know, the final straw for him was the way St. Peter's Basilica got built is you give money and you're your dead loved one could get out of purgatory. I mean, and, and it's like, that was just the line that he couldn't take. And so we all most know he nailed 95 theses to the to door Wittenberg and started the, the Reformation. But the, first, the thing that he did in, this, in the year of exile that he had was to write the first Bible, the f- full scripture in the native tongue of the Germans and hand that, I believe it was Prince Frederick, and by we, we take for granted having scripture. We take for granted having a Bible that we can read. Um, this is the first time ever that a one person had on paper the Bible. And then the Gutenberg Press came along, and of course they were able to start printing it. And people the, the people could for the first time read scripture and hear God's voice. They didn't have it interpreted through another shepherd. They heard the shepherd's voice very clearly through what scripture. And so part of what I feel this passage kind of really pushes me toward is it's critical that I know the real shepherd's voice and not any battle of us where you know pastors are necessary and good, but it's still important for lay people to know what Jesus has to say directly and what scripture says uh, and to know that voice and be able to pick out, well, that's not quite right. We need to talk about that. Uh, because that's uh, how we can know God's voice. One another way we can know God's voice is through to understanding Scripture. Well, I think generally, at least in my experience, something I have to remind myself is I think where pastors go wrong is when we when we view ourselves as shepherds but forget that we're also sheep mm-hmm. and forget that we're also called um, to listen to the to that that small voice of the good shepherd beckoning us, and that helps us do the same for others. To me, just this this passage and, and and all the times that Jesus talks about being a good shepherd, whether it's here and in the other Gospels, it's kind of crazy. And he, he makes this comparison between him and the hired hands. And hired hands don't really care if, if the sheep die if the sheep dies or not. And and I often think about like that passage in Luke 15, which has meant so much to me in my life. It's like leaving 99 sheep to go after one sheep it makes absolutely no sense. Why would you do that? If if I'm the guy that owns the sheep. And the shepherd came to me and said, hey, look, um, one got away. I ran after him. Now the other 99, trouble in paradise. But I did find this one. What a, what a joyous thing that is. I might be upset. Not sure where the other 99 sure the are uh, now. But, uh, and, and, and the hired hand, that's what, that's what the hired hand did. Oh, we lost one. Okay, well, still got 99. That's fine. But when Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd, he literally says, oh, yeah, I do the complete contrary to what you might think. I go after 
the one that goes away because I care that much about that individual sheep. Or, or I'm the good shepherd that will literally die for you. I lay my life down for you, a sheep. And, and that's just such a, a powerful illustration for us as people and makes it to where, yeah, that is the shepherd whose voice that we should listen to. Um, a shepherd that's willing to do all those things for us individually, not just this huge collective. And if a few get away, that there's pain and suffering and sadness, even when one runs away from the flock. That's a that's a powerful illustration. And it really is a beautiful image of God and how mm-hmm. much he loves every single person. And um, we all have great meaning and great value to God to the point that he would give up his life. He would give up He'd leave the ninety nine and and go look for us and uh, boy that, that that is I mean from just from an internal spiritual perspective that's humbling mm-hmm. to think that God loves us that much yeah. and it's an important point that he's trying to make so much so that he's I, I kind of chuckle when I when I read it um, in the first um, six verses of chapter ten Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd and again chapter seven excuse me, verse 7, he says, So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, listen to me, people. I'm telling you this again. You're not hearing what I'm saying. And he he is emphasizing this. He is driving this point home, how important it is for those that are listening, those that are later to read this image of, of, of the good shepherd. It's so understood there. That's such a common image and a common understanding. He's he can't he's saying I can't be more clear in this. Listen to me, listen to me. I'm the good shepherd. It's it's a it's a beautiful passage. So for today's disciple, what does it mean to today's disciple to look at Jesus and understand him? One of the ways he he is identifying himself to us, explaining himself. Um, what does it mean? for him to be our good shepherd today when very few of us are around very many sheep. Sure. I think, I think Scott mentioned the, the reminder that we are, we are sheep in this and that really the only role, the only skill that those sheep had is listening for the voice. And, and that's, Perhaps as disciples, our calling too is constantly listening for the voice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's the hard part about like being humans and and listening to this because of our our intense desire for independence and our own and thinking for ourselves and and all that other stuff. Because what this compels us to do is to put all that aside and follow unashamedly, unabashedly the voice of someone else. And, and putting aside like sort of our own selfish desires and ambitions, and that's infinitely hard, especially in a world where you got things pulling you in, in a million different directions. And there's almost just this white noise around us all the time. And so to be cognizant about trying to hear the voice of God guiding us in our lives and then being willing to follow that voice is, it's hard. But there's there's a, you know, I think it was probably hard then too. I mean, there, there was wolves, there was wolves then too. And, and, and bad shepherds and all that other stuff. And, and so Jesus is speaking into a world then, but it's the same message to us today. Um, you know, we live in a culture where 
Christian understanding of the world is becoming less admired, I would say, by, you know, particularly in our culture. But we're reminded, again, to the 23rd Psalm, that there are paths that lead to righteousness. And there is a way of life, there is a way of following the Messiah, of following the shepherd, that leads us to the right paths. And you're, you're, you're absolutely right. There's so much noise in our world that's pulling us to different paths and an unlimited numbers of possibilities. And it seems a little bit old-fashioned. It seems a little bit out of date. But God truly has a way of life for us that is um, that truly leads to eternal life. And by hearing that voice and by uh, being able to, to – know what is true, that we t- we can truly find a life that is built on eternal purposes. So this week, as you are reflecting on this passage from John's Gospel, thinking about how Jesus identifies himself to us, explains himself to us as, I am the Good Shepherd, I hope that you'll find ways to quiet all the other noise and to seek out the voice of the shepherd through prayer through scripture through talking with friends who are who are christian and who are also learning to hear the voice of the shepherd because the amazing thing is when you when you make that your focus it becomes clearer and clearer as you go and you're able to hear it above the other all the other noise and all the other voices that are out there. And so seek out the Good Shepherd this week and learn to follow him. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue to look at the I Am statements of Jesus.